0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Hank here. We've got Jake Schwanitz here. And we are going to be diving into just some of our like wish lists, you know, the the free agents we'd like to see the Broncos pursue, uh, NFL draft targets we'd like to see them pursue. We're going to talk a little bit about Daniel Jeremiah's most recent top 50. As well as the 100 uh top 150 from pff first things first how is everybody doing how is everybody enjoying this combine so far i feel like the the coverage has been relatively entertaining from what
1: i've seen yeah i mean it's just nice to have something to turn on i guess yesterday it was weird typically they they start in like the morning and go all day but yesterday they started just at like six o'clock or something which I thought was really dumb, but other than that, I'm having a great time.
2: Right. Yeah. That was the weird part for me was everything going on in the evening. I was not expecting to uh, spend so much of my evening devoted to combine news, uh, but nevertheless, here we are. Yeah, it's
1: just nice to be able to sit here and have something on the TV all day. I struggle with what to put on the TV all day when I sit here and work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um,
0: We're gonna save most of our combine analysis for next week because we're just really getting started here. We I, I kind of wanted to dip my toes into it though. So Hank, what is just kind of one takeaway you have
1: from the combine thus far? I mean uh Malik Willis kind of stole the show. I feel like I feel like that's uh the the big one. I think in terms of the quarterbacks in general, like Malik sure he didn't necessarily put the ball where it should be, but he did put it really, really far away from where he threw it. So he seems to be a riser here. Not surprised he decided not to run the forty. You know, for a fast quarterback, it just doesn't make sense to do that because the time can only be disappointing compared to everybody else. Um, so, I I bet he'll say he'll do it at the pro day and then tweak a hammy or something and then just not run one and leave us wondering. That's what Kyler Murray did. It's gonna be the same thing. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, Desmond Ritter in the forty. What was that? It was that four or five flat? Right. I mean, that's yeah. a that, that's a really good time for him. And there's still all the complaints accuracy to the sideline that sort of stuff but I, i i don't know i to me what he's i think i had him quarterback four last time around i think that 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 might get him up there with corral for quarterback three
2: yeah i'm with you um i had i think i had Ritter around four also um and yeah thinking about moving willis and him up um but it's just it's so tough with this class Going back to the combine, though, um, looks like they may have to lay new turf in Indianapolis because the receivers just absolutely tore it up yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eight guys under 4-4, which is a new record. Uh, We had a guy. Can you someone give me the guy from Baylor? What's his name? I I forget his name already. Like Ty something Johnson, maybe (laughs) something. But uh, Tyquan Thornton. Uh, We we had a uh, threatening the combine record of John Ross's record of 4-2-2. Uh, that was it's always fun. It's always more
0: fun to watch the fast guys run. So, anybody who was surprised? I mean, we talked Chris Olave was one of the guys that I know specifically we mentioned as a probably a combine riser just because he's such a fluid runner, a, a good athlete. He definitely had a nice showing, uh, ran like a 4 3 something. Him and Garrett Wilson both were, were both blazing, but it, it's just interesting to see these receivers and and just how many talented ones there are. And I know we've had this conversation a million times and kind of talked about the value and like how in some ways it, the conversation has become very similar to running backs. Like they're just, they're so easy to go out and pick up. And I think we're seeing with the way that NFL teams are operating, like the Cowboys and Amari Cooper, for instance, you know, it's reported that they're going to move on from him and his $16 million deal. He's a stud and I get it, but also it's, you know, if you're upset, I, I get it. But there's just so many good young receivers out there now. You can replace them so easily. It feels like.
2: Right. It's funny you say that. I think back to uh, a couple of years ago when Broncos country was all in a tizzy over which wide receiver to draft at 15, and just how big of a debate that was between Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb. And it's like you look back now, and it's like did it? It really didn't matter that much because one, you know, all three of those guys could have played. Of course, the Rugs thing happened. But then it's like every year, there's at least five to 10 more dudes that are like, oh, I love this guy. I want him on the Broncos.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just the world we live in, Uh, at least until there's one of these classes that's disappointing. I think like in the big picture of this draft class, people are unexcited because there's no quarterbacks. And there's other stuff at play too, though. I mean, if Kayvon Thibodeau does what we expected him to do this season, makes himself like a clear top non-quarterback like we expected before the season. That changes things. Um, If Derek Stingley thinks that, then all of a sudden, he could have been an elite prospect. Um, The the tackles, I think, are going to grow on people. Um, But then also, I think we just forget how freaky these receivers are because we've had, what this is the third straight class, where there's just five, six, seven receivers who seem like they're just going to be stars when they get on the field.
0: Real quick, just off of that, does it surprise you guys that Denver decided to re-sign Sutton and Patrick seeing now what the, the Cowboys are doing and just kind of based off this conversation we're having here. I mean, you could have probably gone out and got a young receiver to, to replicate the, the type of production that you're getting from, you know, one of these
1: guys. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you have the money. Why not just run it back? Like those are your two best receivers and it isn't all that close at this point jerry judy you'd hope would be right there um but but to me tim patrick like yeah he's your number two receiver he could also be surpassed by jerry judy or kj hamler and you're kind of giving them the opportunity to do that and and so i do like how it's structured it does cross your mind though when you have this much money like why not double what you paid tim patrick and just go get amari cooper
2: yeah i mean i was my mindset throughout the whole season was that they got to choose between sutton and patrick yeah. um and i was honestly quite surprised that they re-signed both but i think you look at the, the situation the team is in with the quarterbacks. You know, you've got all these big names, Rogers, Wilson, Watson, potentially available. I think it makes sense, though, to kind of bolster up your weapons and just say, hey, look at our cabinet here. We're filled to the brim with all these guys that can catch the football for you. Uh, then get the quarterback, then just kind of deal with it after that. And the Broncos aren't in a
1: position where they need to be making tough choices. Like if you get a good player, just keep him. It's kind of that simple at this point. You're not up against the cap. Like I mean, we saw how that turned out with Shaq Barrett. Where it's like they could have just gotten him instead of having all this cap space that they wanted. And sure, they would have been a little bit heavy at the edge position, but turns out that would have been just fine. And and that's what you see with the the Vikings, right? The way that they run. If they have a player who's good, they're just going to give him the contract. They're just going to keep him around. They don't let those guys hit the market and then go try to find others. And I think that when when you're in this situation where you know your back isn't up against the wall, you're not forced to make tough decisions. Don't just make a tough decision anyway. Fair enough. My, uh, my combine takeaway
0: is, uh, that there, we're seeing a lot of people really rave about this tight end class, which was kind of be to be expected. I mean, we talked about it at the senior bowl, probably the deepest position group there. A lot of these guys are shining. Trey McBride decided not to run, um, Honestly, I don't blame him. Again, it's kind of like what really? What does he have to gain there? It, it can really only kind of go wrong. Obviously, he goes out and torches it, then it's really going to help his cause. But I imagine he'll run at the pro day, or or maybe he won't. Maybe he'll you know do some private workouts for teams. There's kind of a lot of deceptiveness with this, a lot, especially with the guys that you know have a little bit more control over their process. I will say though, I love the combine, but I I think it's easy to get caught up in. Just the underwear Olympics of it all. And, and you know, we got to remember with some of these guys, can they actually play football? And, and this isn't a shot at any of the other tight ends that are, you know, kind of starting to get some shine. You know, the, the kid from UCLA, Dolchich, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get, you know, a, a ton of love and he's a great athlete and I get it. But there's a reason that Trey McBride won the Mackey. Go watch him at the Senior Bowl. Go watch him actually play football. I don't
1: care how fast he
0: is in his underwear. I just don't care.
1: At the same time though, like it was a good UCLA offense and he was a key piece of that work in the middle. Him and Kyle Phillips really worked well together, but yeah, I I mean, my takeaway is there's a lot of good tight ends and I'm not sure. Like again, like Trey McBride is probably like a fringe first rounder. Um, probably more likely he winds up in the second, in my opinion at this point. Um, but I do think that when you look, there's like, Three, four, five guys who you could see going in the second, who you'd, you'd be like, yeah, that's that's a good deal. There's another three, four, five in the third round. You're like, yeah, that's a pretty good deal. So I do think that this is like a really deep class. I still think that you're missing um, that, like, like there's there's no Kyle Pitts or, or even like a T.J. Hawkinson was like a top half of the first round type of guy. It's it's honestly like a lot of these other classes. We look at the edge rushers. where It's just like it's not a true just number one guy. Um, cornerback potentially kind of the same thing. You don't have your Jalen Ramsey. Um, what based off of what though, based off, you mean just like testing measurables and, and stuff like that like
2: consensus, I think he means, right?
1: Yeah. I, I think that's a general consensus. And then, I mean, you look at, you definitely like Trey McBride's production. And I think on top of that, like it's this catch radius that, that you really like, especially with those bad quarterbacks, you it's, it can be hard to, to use a tight end correctly. And, and the fact that he was making plays regardless of where the ball was put, he didn't need to be hit in stride. I think that's a good thing. But then, I mean, if if you're drafting Trey McBride, it does cross your mind like there is Jalen Weidermeyer right there, who sure he wasn't as good, for but sure. a couple inches taller and bigger and stronger. There's Dulcich, who comes from that UCLA offense that was electric, and he's probably more receiver than tight end. But it, it, with the speed there, you could project him out. And again, I, I still have Trey McBride as tight end one, but. There is, I I, just, I think that this turned out to be a pretty solid, deep group. It did. And quick, and it's and then, probably so deep that it hurts, you know, like it, uh,
0: in a less deep group, Trey probably has a better chance of going first round. I think he's first round talent again, though. I think if you look at him, you know, and, and if you like three or four of these guys, that's probably going to hurt his cause. Cause they're like, yeah, we could probably get one of these other guys, you know, between 40 and 50 though. And mm-hmm. Know, that it'll be interesting to see what Denver does at forty. You know, for instance, like if Trey McBride was was sitting there, would they take the the hometown kid? But I I don't know. I just wanted to to point it out that I understand that. You know, I I get caught up with some of this stuff as well. You know, you see some of these receivers like, oh my god, I should take him over someone. Sometimes we just got to remember, you know, what did they do on the actual football field? Trey McBride, credible football player, same measurables as George Kittle, like basically. Almost exact. He got another
1: three quarters of an inch yesterday,
0: which which yeah, is big for him. Uh, like compared to the Senior Bowl, I, I'm gonna say this. I think the Senior Bowl measurement was more accurate, mm-hmm. having been around him. And I was looking at pictures of us together, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> he's not that much <laughs> taller than me. But hey, it worked out in his favor. Yep. And uh, you know, no. Real hate.
2: quick, real quick, and we can move on if you want. But I think what we're seeing with McBride is just. <clears throat> a little bit of prospect fatigue. I mean, there was, yep. realistically, yes. there was no way that his stock could go up after the season because he was already, like you said, Justin, he won run the Mackey Award. I think a lot of people that paid attention to like college football and draft prospects in November and October realized that he was the best tight end uh, that's draft eligible. And it's just kind of like a foregone conclusion that his stock could only fall from there just because he was already yep. so high re- highly regarded by so many people.
1: When when all you have is what these guys did on the field, that was going to be when Trey McBride was at his highest point. Right. As soon as you start factoring in, like, here's your 40 time, here's this stuff, that's when other guys have a chance to catch up. And it's like the senior bowl, you know, where it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as it feels like it matters in the 10 days after the senior bowl, and then things kind of mellow back out. And it's the same thing where there's gonna be combine overreactions, and then people will be kind of properly placed. And a lot of that comes down to like, oh. Kuiper and his sources say that this guy's actually here. And so you get what the teams say on top of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, good point. you guys, really good you guys have
0: talked me down, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. I saw, I don't even know if this is accurate. I just saw a tweet that said that Daniel Jeremiah had McBride as his tight end four, and I'm just like, I'll, I'll listen to a debate. If you want to say he's tight end two based on some of these other guys, but you are not going to sell me on their three tight ends better yep. than Trey McBride. Another um, thing
1: with McBride is like what he's good at is just going and catching the football. Like there's the clip of him out like in the high point drill when they have him yeah. in a tight area, gotta tap your feet. That's the type of stuff that he's good at, and it's kind of tough to quantify that. You know, that's what Tim Patrick's good at too. You can look at all how you'd measure Tim Patrick, but he goes up and he catches the ball and he puts his feet down and he doesn't drop it, and that sort of thing again was most important after the season for better or for worse. Well, let's get into some of these
0: lists then, because I, I kind of you know, started to talk about it there. Uh, Trey McBride, not in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 anymore. He dropped out. Um, Dolchich, the, the UCLA kid, comes in at 47. What stands out to you about this DJ list, Jake? I mean, he's got Aiden Hutchinson at one. E.K. Iquanu at two. We've seen his stock rise. Um, Evan Neal looked kind of skinny at the at the... <laughs> combine. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see how this whole tackle... I don't even know what to call it. It's like musical chairs. We just keep shifting between all of them. No, it's Evan Neal. No, it's Aquanu. No, it's... Him. Mm-hmm. What stands out I'm most gonna, you guys?
2: I, I'm going to kind of stay in the top 10 here. One, he has Garrett Wilson all the way up at six, which I just thought was interesting. Kind of compared him to Stefan Diggs. And then just how much linebacker love DJ has for a lot of these mm-hmm. guys. I mean... Trevon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Nakobe Dean, uh, if you want to consider uh, KT and then Aiden Hutchinson too, that's six linebackers in the top 10. Uh, so, you know, for a team like Denver, of course, who has a need edge and a need inside, that's really good to see.
1: Yep. And then Jermaine Johnson's 11. So. Yep. Uh-huh. And again, like, not, not that I don't think he's a good prospect, but there's been a lot of Jermaine Johnson love recently that i don't like, get it just like oh okay you know trayvon walker is at 10 and you're like oh okay that's that's where we're at now like maybe we need to go back and rewatch. um i do like having Devin lloyd in the top 10 the, he's kind of all over on a bunch of these lists but i do think that's right thibodeau at seven blows my mind i think he he's got to be running and stuff today i believe so so we'll get a good look at that but thibodeau at seven just boggles my mind um you mentioned the tackles Kyle Hamilton still at number three. I, we don't talk about him much because he's always just penciled in right there in that same spot in all of these. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really notable. Um, yeah. and then last point, uh, was, Oh, Garrett Wilson at six, you know, after how these receivers yeah. ran yesterday, I was on that Broncos show today. I, I think at the beginning of the season we were looking at the two Ohio State guys as the two best receivers in this draft. Um, I think after they both ran like a four three eight four three nine, they're probably they're probably with Olave and Garrett Wilson the two best again in my mind. Drake London, as much as I hate to say it, probably number three. Yeah, he's hurt. He is hurt. I mean, is he still hurt? I, I mean, he's not running. He's he'll be back yeah. for the pro day. I bet.
2: I mean, we've we've talked about it before, though. It's a broken bone, man. It's not anything that's gonna. This isn't long term or anything. Once he heals, I expect him to be exactly like he was last year.
1: Yep, it is kind of scary because he does have just like that pure, like basketball body.
2: Real quick, I actually saw a comp for him that I thought was really interesting. I saw someone call him Mike Evans.
1: Yeah, I think I I I, I see some of that. I think at the same time there's more like She's slot more like versatility, field, right? more, more underneath yeah. versatility um than with Mike Evans. And obviously Mike Evans, if you're Mike Evans, you're very happy with that comp. Like that's a very good football player. If that's a, one of the top five receivers, at the same time, it's like I he's a little bit he's a little bit bulkier, you know? He's right. more he's
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's not as much of a basketball player, but I do think there's some similarities there. Little young Mike Evans,
0: I could see it a little bit more because young Mike right. Evans used to do more, you know, between the sticks than he, than he does nowadays, which True. is now, you know, it's all just kind of stretching the field or, or red zone stuff. Um, final thing on Daniel Jeremiah, at least from me, Kenny Pickett, his QB1, 28th overall, um, down all the way from 10 on his first list. And Malik Willis, his QB2, at 32. So and he he comes up from 34 on the first list. So an, a nice, nice little jump from Malik Willis, like we talked about. Anything else you guys want to talk about with DJ before we talk about the uh, the PFF Top 150?
2: Um, I don't think just so. on the quarter quarterbacks, real quick. Corral at 34, Howell at 47. I mean, if anyone takes a first round quarterback, we're considering it a reach, right?
1: Top <laughs> half of the first round is a reach. Yeah, okay. I think I think quarterbacks are always going to get marked up. If if you're right. taking Malik Willis at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, I'm I'm cool with that.
0: It's just going to be so weird. It's I don't it it's odd to not expect a, a QB to go
1: top ten and, and feel pretty confident about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird year. Some somebody's going to take one though. That's like, the somebody, thing though It's like
0: somebody somebody's going to reach somebody because it's just it happens. Like maybe not top 10, but 11, 12.
1: Where Uh, would Justin Fields have gone last year if there weren't three quarterbacks better than him?
2: Last year, he's first overall.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, this isn't Justin Fields, but if we're calling Malik Willis QB six in that draft, I would have bumped him up to to number 11 or whatever. So it's just the way it works. Like it is, it's half how good are these quarterbacks and half who needs a quarterback. And because of that, you're going to, I think you do get one in the top 10.
2: Yeah, no, not not to get too off topic, but man, I think if you're the Broncos, I think you try and bait that ninth overall pick to the Steelers, and have them take Malik Willis there because you can get some really good capital. Just so if you can get the twenty back or wherever they're picking, uh, the Steelers—that's a really right. good deal, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then you might there. have three top fifty picks all of a sudden.
2: Exactly, mm-hmm.
0: they're loaded. All right, let's talk about the uh, the PFF top 150. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson, their number one. Kyle Hamilton, two. Stingley, three. Thibodeau, four. So a little bit more on the uh, the line of Henry's thinking. But their tackle number one is Charles Cross, Aquanu, Their tackle number two, six overall, then Evan Neal, um, Drake London, top ten. What stands out the most to you guys about the PFF
1: list? I think you hit it with the with the tackles is the first thing you look at. Charles Cross is the best tackle, and this was. No, this wasn't my list. I had cross Neil Ekwonu when we did our tackle preview. Um, but especially when it's pro football focused, you know, they're looking more at the tape and and how they performed in college. And that adds up, right? Because he's kind of the, the sharper polished guy. Ekwonu is, he's actually running his 40 right now. And he's he's a very good athlete. And you could see how he could turn out to be a freak, but maybe there's just a tiny bit more projection there in my opinion. Um, but definitely notable that this is the order that they go in, in, in this list.
2: This is, this list is just so on brand for PFF. It I is. think uh, starting with Charles Cross at, at, the, at five and being the first tackle, that doesn't surprise me at all for PFF. Mm-hmm. Also uh, all the receivers up here, not surprising. Um, and then the running backs, I think Bre- Brees Hall was their first one and he's like way down here, but they've got, They've got a lot of love for some guys who uh, made some noise at the Senior Bowl that I thought was interesting. Jalen Petrie, the uh, safety out of Baylor. Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Um, and then they have uh, Desmond Ritter up at 32 above Matt Corral and some of the other guys. So uh, just, it's, it's just it's so on brand for PFF.
1: <laughs> yep. You know, Jordan Davis there at 39, a guy who right. we've talked about going top 10. We've been seeing him slip on a lot of these lists. I think he was like 17 on Daniel Jeremiah's right around there. Um, again, interesting. This pro football focus one is probably based the least on what NFL teams are saying behind the scenes, um, which again is probably something worth noting, but the fact that he's down there is it makes you rethink some things, right? Because he might just be that big clogger in the middle. And how valuable is that really? When you could get a franchise left tackle or, an, and a freak edge rusher or sauce gardener or something in the top 10. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna go on record and and just put it out there. I'm not saying necessarily I think it should happen. I'm saying I think it will happen. Desmond Ritter is going to get drafted before Matt Corral.
2: I I mm. can definitely see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. I
0: just I and it it I'm I feel like Ritter's gonna end up being that guy that potentially sneaks into like the end of the first round, and we're all yep. sitting there like, huh. And like, it'll make sense because he's safe and he's tested well and he interviews well and he's a starter and he ran the four or five. Like he just, he has everything where you can look at it and be like, all right, like we can give this a shot. I just, I don't know. There's just something
1: about him that just doesn't excite me. Lack of accuracy to the boundaries and some missed deep balls. But I mean, I, he's still my quarterback three. I, I mean, if there's three to go in the first round I and mean, it'd be between him and Howell for that third spot probably and I'm, Leaning Ritter for sure. The, Denver took him <laughs> at forty. How would you feel? Really good. Ritter,
2: yeah, yeah, I, I'd be. I'm with really that. Really good. Uh, real quick though, that I think at thirty-two, just the, because of who holds that pick being the Lions, and because of just history, what we've seen at that pick, it's like a one hundred percent chance that a quarterback gets picked in that spot now, right? Just because you combine this class, how they're not exactly all. Uh, given the franchise QB tag off the top, it's a lot of uh, kind of, well, he's got this, you can work with, he's got this. I think that's still in that fifth is... year. If you have a shot at exactly. it, exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yep. Uh,
1: my yeah, last going to be Howell or, uh, or Ritter go ahead, Hank. Yeah, I'm or sorry Corral in there too, or maybe Carson strong. Who knows all of those guys. It's still competitive. I think that's anybody's, anybody's guess what order, um, 64 though, Troy Anderson. We've talked about him a lot i mean early on talking about him as a potential late round guy and just climbing and climbing as we expected and this combine is going to be big for him the the to put numbers on the athleticism but he's one of those hybrid players who it's and could he be Luke Keekley there's a chance could he if you wanted to turn him into Taysom Hill you could probably do that too and so when you just look at the possibilities with him Andy's going to test well Andy has all the the stuff on his resume I think that the the upside there is going to get somebody to to jump, and I like sixty four for him. Fifty five to sixty five is is classic DNVR draft pod
0: people. It's got Myjay Sanders, Chad Muma, Canard, <laughs> yep. uh, Darian Canard of Kentucky, Trey McBride, Troy Anderson, Carson Strong. Like those, Which, those are guys we've been selling for two and a half years now. Got George Dickens at fifty nine, Justin Ross sixty one, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Brandon Literally, Smith, like, who was my big guy at sixty two, like.
0: They, they should a, have had to write us a check for that section of the list. Just like put a little DNVR logo there.
1: <laughs> I feel like my joke. takeaway every year on this podcast is like load up on picks at the end of the second round, early third. There's going to be so many guys that you really like. And then the Broncos wind up with a few picks there. And then they take somebody totally different. I'm like Because uh, that's when the guys
0: that we nerd out go over. It's the guys that... Have produced for a couple of years, but maybe don't necessarily test as well. You know, or guys that test as well, but don't you know necessarily have the consistent production. It's mm-hmm. just that's that's where the the draft nicks really yeah get get it. Um, all the
1: crushes who have flaws. Exactly. <laughs> You're still <laughs> just, in just love like with us.
0: Them. You know, we we're <laughs> we're not perfect, but. We love each other (laughs) no less when Covington and Masvidal step into the octagon this Saturday at UFC 272 DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the UFC has a knockout offer for new customers bet $1 on the main event get $100 in free bets no matter what first round knockout you get paid majority draw you get paid double knockout resulting in a no contest ruling yep you get $100 in free bets no matter what DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all Deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNBR. Throw down just $1 on the UFC 272 main event. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details.
1: Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. Ranch Rider Spirits was launched in 2019. It started at a food truck in Austin, Texas. Now it's a premium spirit-based seltzer brand. The the employees own it there, it's a really cool, structure for the company and they were the first to put ranch water the iconic texan beverage in a can Uh, like i said they use premium spirits that includes like reposado tequila uh, six time distilled vodka sparkling water they have fresh squeezed citrus that they include and they don't use any added sugars or artificial preservatives no sugar no shit After only two years on the market, they've established themselves as one of the top 10 fastest selling alcohol brands in the country. If you want to check out Ranch Rider Spirits, which you absolutely should, pick up your own Ranch Rider at RanchRiderSpirits.com. Find a location near you. Dope cans too.
0: I don't know about you guys, but whenever I see a drink in it, if it has like a cool aesthetic with the artwork and I like it, I'm like eighty times more likely to buy it than if it has a lame lame design definitely Ray there's a bunch to-
1: of good drinks the the margins get slim
0: exactly you gotta you gotta wow me and they 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 bring their a game <laughs> <laughs> jake let's uh let's get into this this was kind of like a combination yep. of of your idea and henry's idea, but it's it's basically like a wish list of Broncos free agents, NFL free agents, and then college free agents. So where, how do you guys want to start this? Should we just start with who do we want Denver to keep?
2: I think that's the way we start here. Um, <clears throat> the way I did, it, I didn't factor in restricted free agents. So I hope you guys kind of did the Me same. Me neither.
1: Just assume okay. they slap like a second round tender on Malik exactly. Reed, and he's still around.
2: Yeah. So because he would have been at the top of my Broncos FA's, but I put a little star next to him because you can um, just he's just yours. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So then, I'm gonna start I off. consider that I messed up, but I can change it real quick. <laughs> he was my number he's, one. so I was like, oh, he's old, <laughs> but man, Kareem Jackson, I think, can still play. Um and without him, I think they have a bigger hole in the secondary than most many people would believe. Um, it's not, you know, it's not exciting to bring back a guy that's thirty five years old plus and relies on his physicality so much. But I just think that he's been such a good player for this football team, and that losing him will see, a, may, if you lose him and don't replace him adequately, you'll, you'll definitely notice that he's gone for sure. He's still
0: playing at a high level, man. Like I would be much more hesitant if we had seen more inconsistencies or or drop-offs, but I mean, he already took the pay cut to stick around. We know he loves Denver. I think at this point, after kind of experiencing how the market treated him last time, you know, I I don't, I don't think it's going to be as, difficult i guess to get him back i think if you offer him a deal he'll stick around good value good leader still playing really high quality football yep
2: Mm -hmm. hey could Um, you
1: do do you want to go through your whole plan
2: should i should i do my yeah yeah. okay the other guy i wrote down was teddy bridgewater then just i mean not even as a starting quarterback but just i think you need to keep him on the roster um I, my opinion on drew Locke is I think been talked about quite a bit on this podcast. I'm not the biggest fan. And I think that just Teddy uh, the plan. If he goes into this year as the starter, it obviously something went catastrophically wrong, but I think you still need him on the roster regardless. Um, just as kind of stabilizing force in case, you know, shit does hit the fan. So
0: what is the max that you are willing to give Teddy? Cause Teddy's going to have interest because he's he's probably,
2: uh, yeah. 20. Oh man. See, and that's where, we go, it, that's where it gets
0: tough. Cause I, I think he will, he'll get offered that because there's nobody on the market. It's Mariota and him and Andy Dalton
1: and yep. I, well, that's, yeah. That's and when that's I was true, looking I mean, through, I didn't even consider Teddy. Like I get where you're coming from for sure, but we'll, we'll get to mine in a second. I basically narrowed it down to three guys who are tough to choose from, but Teddy's it's expensive. Just,
2: yeah, if we if you get into that 20 million dollar number, man, that makes it really tough for me. Um so what's so, your ceiling? Uh well, you know, considering the Broncos have cap space, I'd be prepared to go as high as like 12, 12 and a half. I, I think okay. 15 is really where I cut it off. Um, okay. you know, I, I think you need to pay for a backup quarterback, especially someone like Teddy. If you if you want him to stay and you want him to be a backup, I think you're still gonna have to pay him, you know, pretty handsomely.
0: I think fifteen says floor on the open market with how little options there are.
2: Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's even we'll necessarily
0: see. worth it. I think it's just a more of matter of who's available. Now, if Deshaun Watson gets dealt, if Russell Wilson gets dealt, if Aaron Rodgers gets dealt, then all of a sudden it's kind of a different situation. And then we kind of see like, you know, who, who's in need now, you know, what's it look like? But with the current right. teams that need quarterbacks, I just in the current the, the, Opinion on the the draft class I don't, don't, he's going to get
2: paid somewhere The thing though, if you retain Teddy Is you also, you keep an asset though Like if, say you do manage To get like a Rogers or a Watson or someone I feel like you can Yeah, you can dish off Teddy Bridgewater And if you get him for like around 15 per year I think that's definitely something That'll be attractive for someone like Oh God, I don't know, the commanders Or someone who's just like really looking for A quarterback, you know Um, I think that just having that asset will provide more dividends and not.
0: Would you rather have Teddy at 15 or Mariota at 12 and a half?
2: Oh, Mariota easily, easily. Who who are your free agents? So my free agents. Oh man. Um, I wrote Taron Armstead as number one. I doubt he gets to the open market. So in his place, I've got Joseph Notebloom who played right tackle for the Rams. And then, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Oh man. I'm going to go with Randy Gregory.
0: Okay, I like it. Giving it, trusting him to to keep his act together. I mean, he's played really well. It's just a matter of can he not get in trouble?
2: Yeah, I I think that's it. Just you look at the ceiling. I think you can kind of get him on a little bit of a discount and like incentive load that deal because of his history. Uh, So it can be team friendly in that regard. And then if he does manage to hit and bring it all together, I think you just have a really good football player. Him, Reed and Chubb, I think is a damn good threesome edge yep i like it do uh do draft picks now yeah okay then um again i wrote kt down as number one that's just kind of like the dream but instead i wrote i put a uh, um sauce gardener just because i took randy gregory in free agency i would have taken Ojabo if i didn't so sauce gardener is my guy and then my second guy is actually gonna be kyron williams the pass catcher and running back out of notre dame oh, okay So you're, you're running it back with Teddy and Drew. I mean, I, well, here's the (laughs) thing. I figure if they're going to get it, it's going to, we talked about this. Did you guys do like the blockbuster deal with your players at all? I didn't No. No. Okay. So that's kind of. No, a quarterback. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I figured the quarterback position would be fixed in Denver is a big deal, uh, whether it's trade or some kind of acquisitions. So that's why I left quarterback out. Okay. Uh, this is my pipe dream, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, my pipe
1: dream. Yeah,
0: it was uh let's, hang on. Let's, I want to change how we're doing this just slightly though. Cause I think doing the whole plan kind of kills the, the debate a little bit. So you do you, sure? okay. Yeah. G- give me your, give us your Broncos free agents and your NFL free agents, then save the, the draft stuff. And then we'll come back around to it and we can, okay talk about
1: jakes again and just kind of come back into it but so uh i i narrowed it down i'm if if i'm picking two i'm only really interested in kareem melvin and josie and it's figuring out which of those two are worth getting and i played around with a bunch of different combinations um of like these guys and free agents and draft guys and all that stuff i think the one that i like the best bring back melvin Give him his like $6 million or $8 million on a one-year deal. Why not? Or whatever. Two-year deal and you front load it. Um, And bring back Josie because that just solidifies the linebacker position. You'd no longer have a hole there. Um, Free agency, I went with JC Jackson. Just back up the truck for JC Jackson. Back up the truck for Tyron Matthew. All of a sudden, you've replaced Kareem. That's an incredible secondary. You can afford it if you only bring back those guys. And, uh, we'll get to who I drafted with that combination later, but, um, no, go ahead. I was wrong. Just go okay. ahead. And yeah. so then I, uh, I went with, uh, tackle in the, in the first round. Hopefully that's, okay. uh, like a Cuonu or, I mean, one of those top threes probably there. Um, the dream is to get the best one, I guess. Um, so you patch that up and then Ritter at 40, it would be the, the next right. one. And then I'm addressing the edge with like Drake Jackson or Nick Benito or whoever at 64 um, is still there.
2: Not bad. I like that.
1: It's nasty, I, right? Like when well, you get JC Jackson, Tyron Matthew with Sertan and Simmons, like there's a strength front seven. You don't really upgrade, but so i mean Josie coming
2: back is, is solid. That's, that's, I guess my only real issue is your, with yours is why'd you pick Josie over AJ? Um, just because
1: i feel like he adds something i really like him when he's tackling i really like mm-hmm. him going forward i think he can kind of be like the the driver of that defense when they're in base i think that aj might have honestly aj might not even have the the coverage skills that josie does like josie has figured out how to maximize what he has and aj i guess maybe is a little bit better tackler more of a mauler um but I, I think that Josie being like the green dot guy, I like that a little bit better. But that was like the first decision, okay. obviously. Because like I said, I narrowed it down to three. Like the toughest part was Josie or AJ. But once you figure out which one's better, then you just run with it. Right. Would you go AJ?
2: I, he was the, the other guy I considered. So it was okay. Kareem, Teddy, and AJ. Those were the guys I was deciding between. I just think that AJ... I mean, I do, I do kind of see what you're saying now with Josie. I just feel like AJ when it's all said and done it provides more value just because I like, I really like how he comes downhill. And I think that he makes more of an impact as a blitzer and in the run game. And I just Fair. think that that's, it, it's kind of like a short-term move with the linebacker with these linebackers, I think. And I just yeah. think that AJ would be the better short-term move. I'm down. I think my thing is you just got to get one of them. So that in your three, four defense, you have
1: one of them on the field. You have Baron Browning next to him. You figure out the the outside guys, probably Malik Reed and, Uh, Chubb at this point, assuming they're healthy and then that's a solid group. And if one of those other linebackers can knock Josie out or knock AJ out, that's great. And if not, then you really address it next year in this scenario. There's another one where I say draft a linebacker and whatever, but yeah.
2: Right. So then Desmond Ritter, your starting quarterback week one in this scenario.
1: Uh, Ooh, I'd say it's fifty-fifty. I mean, he'd be competing with drew. I think mm-hmm. he absolutely would be by the end of the season. I think it just depends on what he looks like. I think he's probably the most NFL ready of of all these quarterbacks. I think that what you look at the flaws, again, just driving the ball accurately to the outer parts of the field. That's not something that you're going to fix, right? Like you're not going to get better at that just sitting on the bench. So I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably bet on him to, to start week one.
2: Interesting. I like your team.
1: More NFL ready than Pickett. I mean, I I guess that's probably the conversation. Unless you want to get into like Malik Willis with the running ability, you could run uh, triples. I mean, I think it's between those two.
2: This is just the QB conundrum of 2020, though. We're just going to keep going in circles asking these same questions. If Pickett's still there You could could throw a wrench
0: in and say, Howell's the most NFL ready with what he does (laughs) best in off the play action. And like, if you schemed it up, right. But I I, I get what
1: you're saying and I'm not trying to be argumentative. Totally. I I was curious. It's just like reading the field, making multiple decisions on one play. It's something Desmond Ritter's done. He's been a part of a really good program. He, I mean, I think he, his impact on what happened at Cincinnati gets super underrated. Um, but I do think he's just so sharp. You could plug him in and maybe those other guys could too.
2: Uh, the petty side of me really loves taking Tyron Matthew from the chiefs too. I mean,
1: that's what happens in the AFC West. Like it's been going on for decades. Like Bill Romanowski, Mm -hmm. Uh, Neil Smith, like all these guys for forever. Obviously, Chris Harris recently, same offseason. Like if Tyron Matthew doesn't go back to the Chiefs, I would be willing to bet money he stays in the AFC West.
2: Raiders for sure too.
1: Raiders for sure too. But I mean, I'd be willing to give him money. It's going to be expensive though. Like Harrison Smith got the four-year deal at like 17, 16, something like that million a year last year. So that's going to take him through his like age 35 or 36 season or something. So I'm not even sure you could get it done short-term unless you're the Chiefs, but I'd be willing to, to take a swing there, do the same thing on JC Jackson. You'd just be so dope in the secondary, even better than last year, much better than last year. You'd rather commit that than
0: a team-friendly deal for Kareem?
1: Uh, yeah, I, it just gives you, you... You have the money to spend. Like like I'd rather do that than just have an extra 20 mil to be like, yeah, you know what, Stephen Weatherly, you come back. And uh, Kenny Young, we'll snag you too. And I guess like a lot of, of this guys, is
0: QB dictated, right? Like it, it's it for sure really depends is. on if we're spending a ton of money on, on Aaron Rodgers or not. That would change See, the
1: equation a little bit.
2: So that's kind of how I factor mine in. I figured you kind of go like your most expensive player in my list would have been Teddy. Like I don't think that unless you get like Taron Armstead on the open market, which I don't think will happen. I think mm-hmm. the Saints will swoop in or tag him or something. But like no bloom. Is a guy that uh, I think that, you know, he may compa- command a, a pretty hefty salary, but I don't think it's going to be top of the market. And then Randy Gregory, too, we've already mentioned like with all the off field stuff and everything. Jordan Whitehead was another guy I had in there, uh, safety from the Bucks. Yeah. A guy who could be a good impact player that probably wouldn't command top dollar. Cam Robinson,
1: if you wanted to, to invest, yeah. like he's probably pretty expensive, but he's on my list, too. What'd you have, Justin? I, I will give mine, and Cam
0: Robinson's a good tease because he's on my list. But oh, that's I quick, didn't want to Ripple I didn't is want to a fast-acting dissolvable, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time with Ripple dissolvables. You can make anything inedible. It's flavorless. It's a dissolvable powder. It's quick. It's convenient. It is the shit. It's pretty much the most convenient way to get the fastest THC experience. You can just pour it on your tongue if you want to But uh, when I tried it, I put it in iced tea, watched the the new Spider-Man movie, had a dandy old time. No sketchy science here. (laughs) Ripple speed and absorption were studied at CSU, go rams in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people, and the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal, Science. Colorado's premier dispensary light shade is where you can find it. They have 10 locations around the Denver metro and Aurora area. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top-shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. What's great is our listeners get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DNVR. Shop at lightshade.com for pickup. Find the closest location near you. 25% off with the code DNVR, guys. Ooh. You can get an ounce there for like $60. bucks. It is insane. It mm-hmm. is High quality products. Everything they do is the best, including Ripple. Again, really made me enjoy that Spider-Man movie even more. It was all emotional. (laughs) Tobey Maguire comes out from like spoilers, nostalgic in my child. It's been (laughs) out. The movie's been out for like, I couldn't even believe it was still in theaters. It
1: was like out at Christmas. But yeah, Kim um, Kardashian like posted that like, five days after it released. My girlfriend was so pissed. I was like, that's, that's, what, wrong. You, that's what you that, get. I would have never said press. this
0: four months ago, but like I said, I was, I couldn't believe it was even still in theaters still.
1: Say what you want about Kim. Great taste in men. <laughs> Pete Davidson right, doing gonna, a lot of the work. No, I'll we're add no,
0: not, that. We're not doing that. I'll add that. Oh, this
2: is great. <laughs> <laughs> we we turned into the, the E! Entertainment podcast. Yeah. I love it.
1: Dude, Pete Dre Davidson. would murder us. That's my guy. Now. Um, <laughs>
0: i like pete davidson too all right you're you're pulling me into a whole different side conversation here go watch the The king of staten island um in in my plan denver what'd you say reggie bush (laughs) what is what a list oh man good for you kim k never stop trying go ahead Justin. Um, go
1: get us back on topic please yeah
0: we, we we were way off the rails here I, like I said, originally, I wasn't factoring in restricted, unrestricted, which is silly because I do think Malik Reed will be back. He's 25 years old, 13 sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 25 QB hits of the last 30 games. His numbers were, were more impressive than I think I realized. But these last couple of years, just without frustrating, they've been, I think, at times, it's, it's easy to forget how good some of these guys have been at times, at least individually. Um, my top priority Broncos free agent... It's probably Teddy too, now that I think about it. But I would rather bring in Mariota at like 12 million and sign Melvin Gordon at like five to seven and a half million per year. I do think you need another running back. If you don't bring Melvin back, I think you are in Jake's conversation where you then draft one. They might draft one anyways. I would bring back Kareem. I'd bring him back on a team deal in my notes. I just put team friendly deal. Great leader. Still playing good ball. Um, I I mean, he's just a valuable member of that secondary. And I think that him and and Simmons have a really nice rapport together. And I think that's under underrated at times. Some you can put two talented safeties together. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play well together. These two actually do really balance off of each other. Nicely. (laughs) Off of that, going into NFL free agency again, if they didn't bring back Teddy, I guess my top free agent would be Marcus Mariota. Uh, go get a veteran QB. I still think you draft a quarterback in that scenario, and I'll get into that in a sec. Um, my my second free agent would then be JC Jackson. Obviously, just I think he's probably the best free agent on the market right now, at least off the top of my head. Um, they couldn't get him, and they didn't bring back Melvin Gordon. I'd be a little bit intrigued by Cordero Patterson, but I do think he he's probably a guy that's going to get like 10 million a year after what he did last year. And that's, I think you could probably get Melvin for a couple million less. And at that point, I'd rather just bring back Melvin. Mm-hmm. Um, NFL draft wise, they're going to take Devin Lloyd at nine if they have the opportunity or Ahmad Gardner, but I don't think he's going to be there at nine. At 40, I would take. I hate to say it. I want to say Trey McBride so desperately because I just want him to be in Denver. Um, so bad. So like if they do it, I don't even care. I'll just, I'll be so excited.
1: I, I would hope for Malik Willis at, at 40. Mm-hmm. There's a chance. There's a chance. That's a, it's a solid group. I'll say that Marcus Mariota loses kind of the sexy factor. Um, but I mean, it is probably responsible. Like what are the odds that go into the draft with just drew lock and Brett Ripon? Like they seem pretty slim.
2: Right. Yeah. And like we said, we've t- kind of talked about him quite a bit recently, but Mariota of all the guys that are free agents, like, mm-hmm. of course, like, you know, Teddy I feel like is just more valuable just because he's more valuable to other teams. And he's obviously already familiar with the sta- uh, not with the staff, but like with the building and the, the players that are playing around him and everything. I just think that that's, why I focused him, but man, Mariota out of all the open market guys, he really interests me. And I think that, you know, we've talked about it before, man, these kind of like second chance quarterbacks he's next on the list. I think of a guy that can kind of come in and I mean, maybe do what Tannehill did to him, to someone else. So
1: it's just so hard to commit that money to those guys. Like to me, like if you're going to go get, uh, go get a Teddy. I mean, you could get like Anthony Barr And like Eric Ebron too. And then all of a sudden your tight ends room is stabilized. That works itself out however. Anthony Barr is like a perennial pro bowler and you get him for a couple years kind of late in his career. There's just so many good players that if you're giving that much money to a quarterback, it'd just be really disappointing. Go get Cam Robinson. Like it might turn out to be kind of like the... uh, Who's the tackle from the Raiders? British guy. Menelik Watson. It might be kind of like the Menelik Watson deal where you're just like, oh, that was a terrible decision. But... I don't I don't mind taking a chance there when you have kind of the rest of the line figured out. See if you can solidify that. There's just so many good free agents that giving money to a quarterback would kind of be a waste in my opinion. Robinson's gonna get paid somewhere. He yes. probably, yeah. Like he, he would be an expensive addition, but you can afford it. You have so much money. Because mm-hmm. there aren't many of these I mean, and many of these free agents you need to bring back.
2: That's uh, a good point. What Justin said about Cordero Patterson, though, has me pretty intrigued in the moment because we've kind of talked about how they really need that pass-catching, backfield weapon, and he showed last year that he could really do that. Um, Most importantly, running the ball. He's an actual threat as a running back, which I think changes this scenario a lot. Um, I mean, you also, you're kind of an underrated aspect of this too. You're losing Deontay Spencer, so you're in need of a returner also. So, I mean, I know it's kind of, It'd be pretty expensive to pay Cordero Patterson just to be like your returner and like third down back, because especially considering he hasn't really gotten paid all throughout his career. He's probably looking to to cash a big check here. And that's
0: what worries me is and and I, I hope he does. You know, he he was one of the cool stories in the NFL this past year. I hope he does get paid, but he would be a fun guy. I didn't even factor in the return game. With that, I would be more willing to pay him, you know, that like 10 million. But like I said, I think you could probably especially if if you're willing to give Melvin Gordon two years, I think you could probably get him back at like 6 million annually.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I do think like in terms of fit, do you need like another bell cow with Javante? Probably not. They're going to get hurt. And I think with the Broncos this year is like, the reason I have no interest in Bryce Callahan is that you just know he's going to miss four or five games. This is a Broncos team that cannot afford to not be at its best at any point. Like, there's other teams where it's like, even I was saying this last year, where it's like, okay, Javante, ramp him up in November, December, get him ready for the playoffs. That's when he takes all his big carries, but lighten the load early on so that he doesn't have too much tread on the tires. No, you just need to be at your very best every single week. And that's why it's like, Bryce Callahan That's an argument King, for Melvin, right? Give me So give that me Kevin you can King. lessen
0: that load on Javante and, and not have him have to be a 30 carry per week
1: type guy. Mm-hmm. And Cordero, like Cordero Patterson just fits so well. Like you, you so, sub him in on third downs. You could probably play him a little bit together. You figure out how to flex him out into the slot occasionally. It'd be just like a nice piece to add. And so, and like, like Jake
0: said, he can run between the tackles. Like be, early yeah. in the year, I thought it was going to be more of just kind of like a gimmick thing. You know, they're doing swing passes and screens, and and he did do a lot of that. But he also just kind of like put his nose down and ran really hard between the tackles. And he had good vision. He was shiftier as a running as a running back than I would have expected, at least based on. His like receiver days with Minnesota, but I don't, he feels like one of these weird guys has just kind of been misused. And finally, because coaches are a little bit more willing to to shift the boundaries of what these players are supposed to be, he's finally getting an opportunity to shine.
1: We still haven't brought up Vaughn yet, but Vaughn was really big on my uh, list of yeah. free agents. I mean, because he when you're when you're lacking pass rush and you just need somebody to rush the passer for a year or two while you figure things out, tough to do much worse. And again, like you look what at are the you willing list of to best- pay Vaughn though. And that's that's the big question: is like he could wind up with twenty five million dollars. He could wind up with twelve, and nothing would really surprise me. The last list I looked at had him as the top free agent, JC Jackson, number two. So, it's it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. You wouldn't want to pay that big number to him, but if there's a world where you can add him at like twelve million dollars a year or something, it'd just be incredible. And there's so many good free agents. Like I really think if the Broncos are bringing back their own guys. And I don't think that'll be the case. Like new coaching staff, Peyton didn't add just about all of them. I really don't think we're going to see many retained. They're going to get some big names. They're absolutely going to get some big names.
2: So the Vaughn thing is, yeah, I definitely considered him on my list too. It's, it's a weird situation though, because I think, I mean, I, I don't know the guy, I have no idea what he's thinking, Mm -hmm. but I'd like to think that after he had the success from the trade this year, went and won the Super Bowl why wouldn't Von Miller just kind of continue being like a mercenary? Like you look at these teams with all this cap space, um, Bengals, Seahawks, Steelers, Browns. uh, I mean, the list, there's just so many guys, Chiefs even have some space. Why wouldn't he just go like ring hunting and try and, you know, keep on collecting rings? Cause I think he's in a position right now where, you know, he could kind of just chase that big money, but he's made so much money in his career. I think that now i i again, I have no idea, but i'd I'd imagine the focus maybe shifted a bit more towards ch- winning in championships and money at this point, or and maybe I'd, he
0: just wants to come home and finish exactly. his career. I mean, that
2: too. yeah,
0: I, I mean, I guess it depends on how long he anticipates on on playing, right? Like if he still thinks he has five years, you know, three, four, or five years, I think Jake's right on. I think if it's he's like, you know, I'll probably play two, three more years. I think it makes more sense to come back home basically just be the face of the city, you know, that him and, and Jokic and McKinnon, you know, they're just all beloved here. Like he'll, I don't know. There's some value in that, especially like going from city to city
1: and he's a popular player. So it's not like he's a nobody, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 50, 50, the, whatever he's thinking, because I mean, he did make it clear multiple times. Like he didn't want to be traded, like even Super Bowl week. And this wasn't the first time he said, I wish I was still in Denver like i mm-hmm. i would rather and i think when he's saying all that you've got to kind of take his word for it cuz he has a new fan base to appeal to like it's not like it's the politically correct answer so i do think there's a real chance he just does want to come back and that doesn't mean he's taking like a huge hometown discount but i do think that if if there's similar offers that come in um the broncos one is going to get pushed up to the top and a contender's offer is going to get pushed up to the top but i think there's a real chance he comes back Another, like, How would you I don't feel about two years, about, 32? Yeah, I mean, they have the money to spend. And he's a, that's, a freak player.
2: I, I'd be okay with that. I'd be excited about that.
1: Yep. But like Hassan Reddick, that's the other direction you could go. A guy who's had like mm-hmm. 11 or 12 sacks the last couple of years. And he's not just like a pure pass rusher who does some different things. Giving him like a three, four-year deal and right. more in his prime might make more sense. I'm just really excited. You got a bar. I think he could be a good guy. You could bring in and on the edge. Yeah, there's there's so many options. Emmanuel Ogbot puts up really good numbers, but kind of gets underrated. There's there's so many good players. The Broncos are going to get some. The counter is you could also just like
0: draft one of the seemingly ten pro edges that are coming Mm -hmm. out this year, and just like,
2: Mm -hmm. and in that
1: case, you go get Anthony Barr.
0: Good point. Or it's going to be Jackson. fun.
1: Man. It's going to it's it's fun to have
0: all the possibility. I will say it would be so nice to finally just get this quarterback shit solidified and be able to like actually visualize a plan cuz at this point until they figure out the quarterback it's really kind of mute, you know, cuz it's like that's where all your resources are going to go. That's what's going to dictate if they're successful or not. That's what's going to dictate, you know, how desirable they are for for free agents, but um hmm. yeah. I don't know. We've got a question here that, that we'll wrap up with before we hit the road. We're going to keep it a little bit shorter since we already broadcasted once, but Hank
1: looks like he has something to say. I'm about to go to the website and find the question. Well, I mean, the question was basically like, what do you think of Caleb L will be right?
2: Yeah. So I went and watched a couple games. Um, I, Man, I think it was the pit game that I watched and I don't know. I think I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record, but just this class, so many guys are just in this mold. And Caleb LB fits right into this, just like kind of slender built, has a decent arm, but mostly just an RPO quarterback. And it's just, it's, I see why people could kind of gravitate to him and why he would have some sort of following in the draft community. But if we're talking like starting quarterback in the NFL franchise quarterback, it's it's quite a stretch for me. I mean, you don't see many guys past day three really kind of make it. And I don't think LB is the talent to really sneak into day two. Yeah. And I, I
1: think the, the one thing you could like is that he's so young. And well, honestly, my my first thought was like, well, why don't you just stay in school? Like if you're the Western Michigan right. quarterback with, with this sort of tape, like why don't you stay in school? But I also think that when you're running that sort of offense and you don't see him I, I think if I'm an NFL team, I would much rather have him in my program for two years than in Western Michigan's program for two more years, and then you add him and so I do right. see how I, I'm not sure if he's like twenty or twenty one right now, but at the very least, like he is a developmental guy and and so you you recognize that what he is in the future is not all that much like what he is now it's just whether you really want to go through that process and i think i mean for a team like the broncos if, if you do wind up with Mariota and and uh drew lock and you decide none of those other quarterbacks are good values maybe four or five go in the first round you, you don't like who's left at 40 then yeah like as as a third quarterback to bring in go ahead throw a fifth uh, throw a sixth round pick at him See if he can figure something out. But yeah, I, I'm with you. There's not. I'm not spending much time thinking about Caleb Ellaby after this.
2: If if the fate of the Broncos comes down to Caleb Bellaby, we're in big trouble, guys.
1: Chad Kelly. <laughs> 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 Just like Chad Kelly, all over again. The Kyle Sloter hype. I mean, Trevor <laughs> Simeon.
2: There's yeah. a seventh rounder who actually oh the fate
1: did come down to. Alright,
2: w'e good. I'm good. All righty. Well, then, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, my name is Jake Schwann. It's for Justin, Michael, Henry Chisholm. We'll be back next week, recapping the combine. I think we're going to get back into position groups too. Um, a lot more meat on the bone for us, uh, moving forward in draft season. So we'll talk to you then.